Welcome to episode one of the Play Your Yards Right podcast. My name is Sasha. I'm here with my co-host Sarah, and we are officially back in the Mm -hmm. NFL season. So today we are going to cover the wonderful NFL draft and then maybe touch on some NBA playoffs after we go through the NFC East and all of the draft excitement. So, Sarah, I'd like to start with you. Let's hear Mm -hmm. all about this exciting Cowboys draft. Yes. So, I guess... I don't know what to make of this as a Cowboys fan coming out of this. I'm not sure how much stock we all put in, you know, NFL draft grades. Everyone has them, ESPN, you know, PFF, and they all are so variable. So what I'm seeing the Cowboys, they're anywhere from an A- minus to a C plus. That's a pretty big range. Pretty big range here. I think it's pretty much covering everything because I really have never seen anyone get like a D or an F. Yeah, I don't think so. I think C plus is basically saying it's just people covering their bases because back in the day when people started doing this, they'd give out Fs and then it was basically just bulletin board material for everybody else being like, I can't believe you gave this an F and now this guy is an all-star. Exactly. So it's hard to, you know, assess, but that's what we're getting if you look it up. First round pick, Mozzie Smith. Um, def- he's a. Oh my God. All right, so, starting with the Dallas Cowboys, first round pick, Mozzie Smith. First off, their defense has far too many Smiths. It's getting very confusing. Um, but the name Mozzie is pretty sick. So, very I hope good. we just call him that in, you know, first name only basis. So, defensive tackle from Michigan. Um, from what I'm seeing, people again, I know we don't know how much stock to put in this, about giving it a grade B. Um, I think there's been some question on, you know, number of tackles he's actually made in terms of just where his college stats are at. But I tend to lean towards what, you know, Dan Quinn sees in him. And Mm -hmm. we're all putting all of our stock in Dan Quinn. That's my theme for this draft is I can't wait to see this person in Dan Quinn's, uh, you know, defensive scheme from here. Um, But really, ultimate goal for the Cowboys this year, aside from building the offensive line, was something I felt was a priority going into this draft. But I think we took the second next priority and kind of put that, First, in their eyes, would be stopping the run. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal here. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what Smith can do. And leading off, you know, leading into that, they also went with, again, another Michigan guy, Luke Shoemaker. Um, he is a tight end from Michigan. Took him in the second round. Um, last year, he only caught 27% of the targets thrown his way. That's not a great percentage. No, no. I'm not a stats person normally, but that's not great. So we'll see. We're looking to fill the void of um, Dalton Schultz, who has now signed with the Texans, mm-hmm. which after the way last year, I don't know if you remember, like the final um, oh, you know, plays in the Cowboys playoff game, Schultz, when he did not get out of bounds, and ugh, I just couldn't stand him. He was, in, he was in his contract mode, you know what I mean? He was yep. not looking to take heavy hits, and I just don't. Don't love standing behind guys like that. So I'm happy they didn't stick with him, but we'll see. They have some promise at the tight end position with um, Hendershot and Ferguson. I call him Fergie just for short. Yeah, Yeah. so we'll see um, who's going to end up as, you know, tight end number one. But I think we're hoping to see some solid blocking out of Shoemaker, I think, and maybe build those targets a little bit um, from there. So. Uh, It's good to get some competition in that room, too. And uh, it's... It's weird to see the Cowboys going into a situation not knowing who their tight end, you know, their number one tight end of the season was. It feels like as long as, you know, we've been watching football, it's you've always had Jason Witten's been there forever, mm-hmm. and then it seemed like Dalton Schultz was going to be that next kind of guy, and clearly seems like uh, like he wasn't. So now going in, and uh, it still feels like they're going to be kind of searching for that guy again, and mm-hmm. uh, I unfortunately feel like you will probably find him. Yes, let's hope. But from here, you know, third round, seems like the Cowboys did pretty well in their pickups um, later on in the draft from, again, kind of just commentary and these draft grades. But um, they picked up a linebacker from Texas, the Marvian Overshone. I could be butchering the first name, but Overshone's a pretty sick last name, All-time name. Yeah, right? Like, we have a lot of good names on this team coming in. Um, Again, in Dan Quinn, we trust. You know, he has some safety-like qualities at the linebacker position, and we know Dan Quinn loves to move his guys around. You know, loves guys that can fit into multiple positions. So, again, we're kind of fitting with the stop-the-run plan here. Um, so I like it. And moving on, kind of from there, too, took an edge rusher from San Jose State. That's mm-hmm. an, I mean, I'm not a huge college football girl, but I feel like I don't hear that name a lot in college football. Not a lot. San Jose State, not one of those major Power 5 conferences, uh, conference schools that you normally hear about. So... That can either go one of two ways. It's either uh, a guy that you know may have gotten missed from one of those, you know, mm-hmm. the, that because everybody's watching those major schools, or maybe a guy that was kind of a standout on uh, on a little bit lower of a tier. Obviously, so you're, for your sake, uh, we're hoping it's, it's the uh, right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the latter, yeah. but uh, 
I, again, looking at these names of the Dallas Cowboys draft, I'm not sure if they were going down a big board or maybe just that key and peel bit where they were just going down and finding mm-hmm. hilarious names. Yeah, Villami. Yeah, Villami Fajoko. Yeah, I didn't even pronounce it because I was not <laughs> sure if I got Probably it right a smart there. move. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and then finally, later on, we took Asim Richards, um, an offensive tackle from UNC. I definitely, like I alluded to earlier, would have liked to see them you know, get a little more invested in the offensive line a little bit higher up rather than at pick number 169 here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he's pretty good at his, you know, solid in his pass blocking game, which the Cowboys definitely need, especially if we're looking to put up some big euros for CD, Gallup. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see how that plays out and maybe they'll make, you know, some further, you know, moves in free sure. agency and stuff for the offensive line. Um, I know there's a few more pit you know, picks left here, but we won't go into the total nitty gritty because we do want to get to some other teams. But I did have to say that um, classic Jerry Jones nepotism here. He took um, Deuce Vaughn running back from Kansas State. Um, he is the son of one of the Cowboys longtime scouts. Um, so, I mean, it's cool. Like, I'm, I'm always torn on these things. Like, yeah. it's nice that it's a family affair, you know, and there's really exciting clips coming out of it, you know, father calling his son during the draft and everything. But I don't know. I'll see his game. You know, when yes. we see his game, I'll make that decision. Um, but yeah, I guess Jerry Jones is loyal to his nepotism and yeah. his family ties. So I guess if you're going to like take that method and ride with it, you better stick with it. And he does that. Let's so do I, I think that the there, it's just, it doesn't make much sense for them not to. You get the great social media clips. Mm-hmm. You're showing a little bit of respect to your guy that's been there for a while. And you know whether this guy is the most talented guy in the room or not. He's going to come out and try his hardest because mm-hmm. – he didn't have to be there, and I'm sure he doesn't want to feel that he was some nepotism pick, a little nepo baby of the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. So he's exactly. going to come and work his uh, work his ass off for you guys. So I think it's really a, a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, worst case scenario is he really just happens to not be talented, but... I, I think he's still – it's going to be a hardest-working guy in the room kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So, overall, I think a pretty solid draft. Um, they did pick up, you know, a wide receiver late. Um, so, they're – but definitely a primarily defensive-focused draft, which, you know, is good because that's definitely where they had the biggest off-season shifts. Their offense has, you know, been – aside from losing Zeke, which, mm-hmm. who knows, he might be back at the league minimum here. If no yeah. one picks him up, you know, in the coming weeks here, I've heard that, you know, the Cowboys aren't op- are opposed to taking him back. That would be crazy. It would be crazy. But I – like – they cannot spend anything, give anything more than league minimum. For right. That. They absolutely cannot. But I, something tells me Zeke will land somewhere. I, I would mean, think someone he will take a chance on him, even just the experience to have him in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of money he thinks he would be getting or what he would actually end up kind of raking in because I do think that most of the league is kind of hip to the understanding that paying a bunch of money for a running back that's over 26 years old almost never really works out in the long term and it's – kind of the people that really should be paying for running backs are the teams that kind of need it as a last piece of a championship run. And even those teams kind of tend to realize that, hey, we got there with these, you know, with these horses that we have and maybe spending that extra money on a, on a running back isn't super necessary. So mm-hmm. it's a weird balance. Um, but I think that would be very interesting to just see somebody like Zeke on a, on a league minimum contract. Yeah. So I, I, I really don't, that would be crazy. Definitely he, a big I, shot to the, you know, pride here, but yeah. <laughs> and if he, oh man, if he ends up back in, uh, in Dallas on, uh, on that kind of a crawl back to crawl back to Jerry with his mm-hmm. tail between his legs, asking for the league minimum, that would be, I, I don't yeah. know if he would, uh, I don't know if he would do that or not, but yeah. So as a Cowboys fan takeaway, solid, solid draft. Good. I'm feeling okay about it, but I'm definitely very hyped for the football season. I know you are. I'll let you get into your Giants. So, What are your thoughts coming out of this draft? I can't tell you how happy I was. You know, obviously not having a super high pick in the draft. um, Didn't come in expecting too, too much. But it is just so good to have the feeling of the Giants again that somebody knows what they're doing with their hand on the wheel. And all I kept thinking the whole time was that with Dable and Shane is that this whole draft just finally, it just reeked of competence. And they came in knowing that we needed some help at cornerback. We needed maybe some help on the offensive line, get some speed on the outside with a receiver. And they got aggressive to get all of the things that they wanted. Um, some people may, you know, the things I've seen about, you know, whatever's trading uh, to, you know, move up one spot in the draft to, uh, to get their guy. I really don't hate it. We came in with 10 picks in the first, you know, within the, within the draft. And we had 11 picks last year. We drafted 11 guys. You know, the, we're not going to need two-fifths of our team to be first- and second-year players. So I don't mind giving up a fourth when we have another fourth and a seventh mm-hmm. to move up. If we, have the, if we had 25 guys drafted as top-tier talent that we wanted, 
and we were afraid we weren't going to get him, I don't mind giving up the draft to, uh, to, call, yeah. to go up and get that cornerback. I also think that uh, Shane and Dable wanted one of those three receivers that ended up going bang, bang, bang with the uh, – can't remember all the teams. I know one of them went to the Vikings. But uh, I think once, the ran, once that run on receivers happened, he was excited to step up and get Deontay Banks, which again mm-hmm. – didn't watch a ton of Maryland football this year, but ever since then, all of the all everything I've been uh, I've been seeing and all the the clips I've been watching, obviously his best work. But it seems like he's just a big guy that can run really fast, mm-hmm. and uh, he's able to stay like right on the hip of these kind of elite receivers that he's played against. So I think that he was a you no know, top tier talent, first round first round uh, grades from everything that I saw, and uh, it's just really fills a huge need that uh, that yeah. we have because. Our defense last year was terrible. If we look at all these outside, uh, the outside football uh, focus, all any any webs or any uh, kind of ranking system, the DVOA, our uh, our passing defense was twenty second in the league, and Yikes. running was thirty second. So wow. I think similar to what you were saying about the Cowboys is mildly reactionary. Is the same thing that we kind of did is that we realized we're going to be playing the Eagles mm-hmm. and. We need to stop the run. Yep. And being having the worst run defenses in the league and having to play the Eagles moving mm. forward yep. is not really a good situation. No. So uh, having Deontay Banks in there I think is going to be a big help to our cornerback situation mm-hmm. and will allow uh, some of these big guys up front to get some more yeah. pressure. Uh, second pick, that John Michael Smith guy. Big fan of some offensive line moves. Mm-hmm. I know it's not glorious. It's not the flashy yeah. uh, quarterback, wide receiver pick. But... This is who I wanted for you, the Cowboys. Yep. Well, that makes me feel even better mm-hmm. about this. This guy, he was a big guy. And uh, one of my favorite things about him that I, I, you know, when I initially saw this, I was a little hesitant about it. So he was, he's been in Minnesota for six years. He's already 24, I believe, 24, 25. Yep. And, uh, you know, my initial reaction is because we spend so much time talking about the age of running backs, receivers, right. like these guys are going to lose a step. You see so many of these guys on the offensive line playing into their 30s. Mm-hmm. And... If anything, we had uh, you know we have Andrew Thomas who we just drafted a few years ago on the offensive line who the, his first year was terrible and now in, in his second year he managed to make a second team All Pro so I think that there's a lot of growing that can happen on the offensive line and I'm hoping him maybe coming in as a you know a four year starter at Minnesota and he's been there for six years he's a little bit older he's filled out he allowed just two sacks and three quarterbacks hit hits in the past three seasons. Okay. I'm really hoping that we can kind of maybe at least expedite some of those growing pains that are mm-hmm. natural to happen to right. anybody playing on the offensive line in the NFL. So I'm super excited about that to get some hopefully sturdy offensive line play for Daniel Jones yeah. and Saquon to get him uh, to get him some speed. I mean, and, you're committed to Jones now. Yeah, for the foreseeable couple of years. So I think this is a big move. You know, build 100%. the line, see what he can do because otherwise you're not going to be able to get. Past years, you know, I don't know if we were getting the best version of him because of the supporting cast. So now you're going to be able to see see what he can do in Saquon even too, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know lesser scale. He was He's still one. Well, he's, he yeah, just, so he's this, just on the tag. Yeah, yeah so. so we'll see what he can do with a strong offensive line around him. And that will help to make the decision probably a little bit easier going forward there. I couldn't agree more. And I really think that. All, if you're if you're a quarterback in the in the NFL, whether you're you know Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or Davis Mills, if you have good offensive line play and a halfway decent coaching system, I think that you can put the ball where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are the 32 best people at right. their jobs yeah. in the world. Like there's not they, and they didn't get there by accident. So mm-hmm. providing these guys with good coaching, which this is going to be like the first full season that Daniel Jones has had a whole season with a coach yep. and GM. Had an off season with the same coach and GM, and then we'll go into another season. So I'm really hoping that you know a little bit of comfortability for him, you know, kind of built playing to his strengths, building the offensive line. I think that's going to be a, that's going to yeah. be a very very good thing for him. And uh, speaking of ba- backing up Daniel Jones, that third round pick of Jalen Hyatt, I love that we were able to move up for this guy because he just seems like a fast guy that's willing to work hard. There also came out with a little viral video with uh, one of the Cowboys coaches or scouts that were going and kind of talking and saying, hey, man, like, we know, you know who you are, thinking, mm-hmm. like, kind of in, just insinuating that he's just a speed guy and doesn't know how to run yeah. routes. Uh, so I think he's going to have a little bit of a chip on oh, his yeah. shoulder, especially going in uh, against the Cowboys. And, you know, obviously we all saw that game uh, against Alabama from uh, when Tennessee uh, Tennessee beat them this year with that. So it was six catches for uh, what was it six catches for two hundred and seven yards and five touchdowns. 
won the Bluknikoff Award for uh, you know for, as the best receiver in college football last year. So I really wow. think that that's a steal. Yeah. Um, in the third round, and uh, yeah, Mel Kuyper said that we had four, uh, you know three of his top forty five players, and we were able to get him wow. at, in the, at the you know in the seventies on the pick. So I am uh, I am very very high on that. Uh, you know, he's a big guy. He's Should fast, be. so yeah. I so I don't hate it. After that. I'm not going to pretend like I know a ton about these late draft picks, but uh, I've I have done some research on them since. Uh, at Eric Gray, that you know the the running mm-hmm. back, whatever, get somebody behind Saquon is not the yep. worst move. No. Kind of uh, you not know, not with his injury history. Exactly, and it's it, it. We all know that Saquon's on this one year deal. Mm-hmm. Is he going to stick around? Maybe it's good to get another guy in the room with all. You know, we've got Matt Breida back there. Um, you know, worst case, if there are injuries, things like that, and at least gets get a guy in the room that can uh, you know see what he's got. So maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. He was a two year starter at Oklahoma, so that's not a you know that's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. So no. it's good to have him. Uh, good to have him behind that. And then these last three picks uh, that we were left with, we had the cornerback uh, and the defensive back uh, in round six and seven. Mm-hmm. Old Dominion. Old Dominion oh. again. Same thing. Little not a not a power five school. Yeah. Uh, he just seems like a uh, super tall, limber guy that's going to be able to uh, to play corner. And uh, you know, we we've made some trades and we've kind of bolstered that. Uh, you know, it, it seems like all Joe Shane has been focused on this season or this off season is trying to stop the run and yeah. bolster uh, bolster that line and linebacker position. So we were really short on corner, uh, and I think that you know just getting another guy in the room is not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this guy in round seven, Javarius Owens. Electric aware safety, nothing's not super quick. He's a good tack, tackler, and he just really kind of seems like a pure free safety. Okay. Um, what I am excited about, though, whether it's something or not, this other round seven pick with the defensive uh, lineman Jordan Riley, mm-hmm. he's just a big man. Yep. And I think similar to what you had uh, what you had said about some of the guys that uh, the Cowboys had drafted, you know, he's six five, he's three twenty five, and there's this old thing, this old theory called the planet theory that's from uh, Bill Parcells and this old Giants executive mm-hmm. George Young. Where they had always just believed that there are only certain guys and only so many guys on the planet that are big enough and strong enough to play on the line mm-hmm. in the National Football League. I think that's a fair assessment. And this guy is big enough. He's in there. He's <laughs> in the planet. He's got the size. So it's let's kind of see whether the, if this planet yeah. theory works. Let's see if they can train. You know, they, they can train this guy up to, you know, kind of supersede his uh, his seventh round pick status. But he's a big man. Played at Oregon. Played in a Power Five conference, yeah. so he's played against some talented, uh, talented people. So, if he can get in there and he can line up with, uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau and uh, Dexter Lawrence, that should be a relatively formidable offensive yeah. line that can hopefully help stop the run of the whole NFC Beast division. Sounds like a good bang for your buck, round seven, pick two forty three. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hope, let's hope. Yeah. But uh, the only thing that makes me a little, uh, a little sad about all this is seemingly how well the Eagles drafted as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. As always. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair. No. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm bitter about it. I mean, they're going into this draft. I felt like they had everything they needed. Clearly not to get it done because they lost in the Super Bowl, but they were that close. And yeah. they coming out of this draft, I mean, to me, major failure if they do not win the Super Bowl this upcoming year. I'm yeah. just going to go out ahead and say <laughs> it. I'm not putting future on them because I don't want to support that. It hurts. Yeah. But I think they should consider that, you know, a big loss because, I mean, coming out of this, they look great. Yeah. And I'm nervous about it. I'm I, very nervous to play their toys this year. I know. I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. And uh, I think that they kind of did everything that they should have done. It's annoying to watch them do smart things and mm-hmm. do things that you would think that they would want to do. So I think it really makes sense. They they understand that this is their window. They yep. just paid Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. and that obviously the you know the right. the salary cap pie is only so big. Yep. So they know if they can go out and they can get some of these guys that they may not be able to get in free agency because they can't pay, or they may not be willing to trade some of the pieces that they have because clearly whatever's going on in their locker room is working. Mm-hmm. So they don't really want to break that up. Where they're able to make the biggest splash is in the draft and trading up to get Jalen Carter, who oh, that hurt. Yeah, prior to the draft, a lot of people were saying like is the most talented player, and maybe some mm-hmm. off the field issues of him not yeah. caring enough or him not trying enough. Like I think going into a situation where it's like we were just in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. we have all of this veteran right. leadership. Not only do we have veteran leadership, but the other young guys are also like incredibly talented guys that you were just in college yeah. with and won a national championship a couple years ago. So like. With Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean already being like they're already friends, it just seems like this was they couldn't have been a more logical yeah. fit. And I would also think like if this guy actually sucked or if he didn't work hard, 
like Jordan Davis or Nicobe Dean would have been like, hey, yeah. like, you know, he's yeah. super talented, sure, he was on the team, but like, but don't draft like him. Yeah. yeah, they have like real boots on the ground experience yeah. playing with this guy, so if they're saying it's fine, again, I don't know how much involved right. they're really in the draft process, Right. but I would assume you enough. You think if it's a question of character, you get info from the people who see them, when mm-hmm. is it character is built when no one is watching, yeah. but that, you know, when your teammates in the locker room versus, you know, speaking with potential coaches and stuff like that, you're putting on a different persona, sure. you know, when you're doing those pre-draft interviews or intakes or whatever it may be. So I think former teammates would be the most reliable people to ask. So I would assume, you know, the insider source who does all this psychoanalysis of these guys would mm-hmm. play that because, but yeah, to me, I'm like, also these guys are going into the NFL to play professional football for a lot of money mm-hmm. and they're competitive though. They're athletes their whole life. So whenever people say not caring enough, you know, or not, you know, kind of taking days off sort of thing, I don't feel like the NFL like translates as much for that as like the NBA where all this Mm -hmm. is all this load management stuff. And that's part of the culture that's built into it. It's not like that in the NFL. There is no load management and things like that, you know, or if it is, it's very rare cases, mostly injury based. So to me, those sort of character flaws, I feel like don't hold as much stock going into the draft from there because it's just, you don't see it translate over as often. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And you, you can't be out on that football field and not be giving it a hundred percent or something bad is going to happen. You're a hazard to yourself. Yeah. So I, I completely agree. And then the same thing with their second pick in the first round with Nolan Smith. Same kind of deal, just drafting mm-hmm. these Georgia Bulldogs. It was the fastest defensive lineman at the NFL Combine. Obviously didn't play a bunch of the last season with uh, with that torn pack muscle. But I just feel like they just keep getting stronger on the defensive side. I'm worried about uh, Daniel Jones coming out of these two games alive. I feel like they are going to destroy him, and I'm really hoping their offensive line can hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even just going through the rest of their the rest of the thing, they drafted another offensive lineman in the second round. Uh, was able to transfer to Bama as a grad student, and obviously had a pretty uh, a pretty good season because they just lost their right guard, um, and already you know adding another piece to that uh, offensive line room that was like the best in the NFL already. Probably not the worst. Uh, probably not the worst idea. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, they drafted a safety from Illinois. He was an all ten, you know, all Big Ten safety. Uh, in the fourth round, they got another George Bulldog, a cornerback, and Keely Ringo. Again, would hope if they're drafting from the best defense in college football for the past couple of years, and they already have a bunch of guys that have played with them, maybe they're seeing something that everybody else isn't, and they're able to get a steal in the fourth round. Uh, and then took a you know took a sub, took a uh, quarterback in the sixth round and uh, a defensive tackle from uh, from the University of Texas mm-hmm. in the seventh round. The only thing that uh, when I was doing a little bit of research, that guy Tanner McKee, their sixth round quarterback, uh, his top billing of information wasn't any sort of uh, you know wasn't any sort of stat or any gameplay. It was just that he was a Mormon who did a tour uh, two year mission in Brazil before he went to play. So I don't know if that's the most promising piece of information yeah. when you're looking at the quarter. You know, maybe your next quarterback and waiting is. Yeah. His football play isn't really anything to write home about, but he did uh, do two uh, two you know a two year mission in Brazil. So, and I forgot yeah. about this. I see in here notes Marcus Mariota. Yep. So that I, is, that yeah. totally just went past me. I probably just missed that someday. I mean, I don't feel threatened by that. No, by any means, but, but it's that is a little scary that that's their second guy. If God forbid something happens he's to uh, very capable. yeah, if something happens to what's it, to uh, to Jalen Hurts that uh, they I mean, have Marcus Mariota. He uh, was considered a starter last year. Yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, right. So I mean, and experience wise, I think that yeah, I don't don't love that. But I think the ultimate move coming out of this draft weekend for them, DeAndre Swift, a hundred. This one hurt. I yep. was like, "Is this real?" I like checked four <laughs> different sources when I saw it in the when I woke up in the morning. I felt like Jesse Pinkman at the end of Breaking Bad. I'm just like, they can't keep getting away with yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. how do they keep doing this? So yeah, he's still only 24 years old. I he know. was just an, yet another Georgia Bulldog, mm-hmm. and they already were able to run the ball super well with no standout running back last year, outside of counting Boston Scott against the New York mm-hmm. Giants, yes. who is apparently the greatest running back of all time. <laughs> But uh, with Miles Sanders leaving, I honestly think DeAndre Smith is better than Miles Sanders. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and they still have whatever, Kenneth Gainwell, and they move for Rashad Penny in the offseason. So I think their running backs somehow still got better. Yeah, they did. And it hurts. Um, I mean, this is definitely huge as draft just screams, you know, they're going in. They're all in. They're yep. all in for this year, as they should be, yeah. with good reason. Um, so we'll see see how it plays out for them. Swinging to the other end of the pendulum and the yes. NFC's, <laughs> the Commanders. We're not going to spend too much time on them because, quite frankly, the Commanders, their draft grade, people are saying, are B. They're just, like, such a B franchise. Yeah. Like, they're actually kind of <laughs> worse than that, honestly. But I think, like, people don't think of them as being bad, bad team. Like, they're just, like, a eh, yeah. team. And that's exactly how they are. They're keeping that same energy. I mean, I'm hoping – I think – 
for com- the sake of Commanders fans, they're hoping new ownership will turn that around for them. But I don't know. Coming out of this draft, the quarterback issue is, you know, for them, I mean, at this point, I had to look like eight, to- eight times. I'm like, who is their quarterback <laughs> at this point? Um, but it seems like they're going with um, either. So I guess the Commanders, I mean, to me, their draft, no matter how you do in the draft, their quarterback room is still the big question mark here. Mm-hmm. So Taylor Heineke has left for the Falcons. I don't think he was a long-term solution anyway, but they were getting a spark from him. Sure. Obviously no longer Carson Wentz. Is he out of the league? I don't even know. He should be if <laughs> for, he's not. For, for his safety, he <laughs> for should his be. Safety. He can go um, duck somewhere else. So right now, the commanders are probably going to have, you know, a QB competition with Jacoby Brissett, Jake Fromm, which he was just in um, some sort of like football documentary that I watched, and he didn't know what the crap out of me just enough. <laughs> but, um, and Sam Howell, who played a few games for them last year, maybe one or two. Nothing really major or promising. I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it's going to give energy. I hope for them it works out like the Seahawks did last year with Geno Smith when like they went into the year having a quarterback competition. Everyone was like, what is the game plan here sort of thing. And then we thought it was all going to be a rebuilding year. And they pulled it together, and Gino pulled through, you know, and showed promise. So maybe someone coming out of this trio, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. I think his days, like, as a, you know, NFL starter are done. I think he's a really solid backup. Sure. Um, maybe it'll be Sam Howell or Jake Fromm. Who knows? But I don't know. Regardless, I guess not super related, you know, to their draft. But to me, I kind of, I think everyone thought they might have tried to pick up a quarterback in this draft. Um, or, or it's just everything was kind of set up where it seemed like they were going to try to make a push for uh, for Lamar Jackson yeah. and then didn't. Well, yeah. It's like there you look at their quarterback room, like you just mentioned, right. and, and you're like, what is the plan here? I'm just looking up Sam Howell's face for the first time. Like he looks like a guy that won't let you into a frat party who's trying to charge twenty dollars, mm-hmm. but it's not even like the cool frat. It's like no, you, the it's place like, that you decided I to go know, last the minute. Fake name, the fake name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's like yeah. that's that's not a face of a guy that's going to lead your franchise to. Well, I think uh, to Jake success. Brown might even be worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I all think time he has bad face. But yeah, so with their first round pick, um, they took a cornerback, Emmanuel Forbes, Forbes from Mississippi State. Um, 14-year receptions through his three years in college. So he has the potential to be a playmaker there. They really tried to build up their secondary in this draft, from mm-hmm. what it seems. Um, they took a defensive back from Illinois, Jatarvius Martin. Um, solid pick. Seems pretty versatile role. They did go with a center um, for their third pick from Arkansas. I guess, you know, not super defense-oriented, but someone's got to protect whoever this quarterback is. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, again, they went with an offensive tackle from Utah, Braden Daniels. Solid, you know, pick. They definitely need to build up their pass protection for sure. Um, so I think that was kind of their goal there, aside from building up, you know, from a defensive end. Um, and they took KJ Henry, um, you know, defensive edge um, later on in the draft. He's... I think this was because of the Chase Young situation here. So they've decided, you know, officially announced right before the draft that they won't be picking up the fifth-year option for him. I don't know if that's injury-related. Um, attitude seems like a thing for me and him, you yeah. know. Um, but, I mean, talk about kind of a bust if that's the case because he showed so much promise. Like, oh, my God. And, the, but, and he was the pendulum on their defense. Like, they went from being one of the top-ranked defenses to quite literally the worst in the league. And, like, everyone at first thought it was with his injuries and kind of how that skewed things. But then it actually was shown that they were far worse when he yeah. was on the field. Um, so I don't know. I Maybe they just feel like it's not a good fit at this point or who knows. But, yeah, so they're going to be scrambling there because I think they thought they had, like, the quarter zone electric defensive player for the foreseeable future in Chase Young, and that hasn't, you know, been the case. And also he was drafted in 2020. Like, to me, in my mind, I'm like, he's been there a year. Like, yeah. it's crazy. When it, I saw that in there, I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe we're talking about like, the fifth-year option. Yeah. But that just seems like the story for this franchise, the, you know, what are the Redskins, Commanders, football team franchise mm-hmm. was, I mean, I remember being terrified and being so upset that we were going to have to face RG3 and Alfred Morris twice a year for the next decade. Mm-hmm. I was like, this team is just, they're just starting to get good. And these two cornerstone guys are I'm like, I can't believe we're going to have to do it. And yep. I had the same feeling with Chase Young. I'm like, I don't want whatever quarterback is on the Giants yep. to have to play against Chase Young mm-hmm. every, you know, twice a year, every year for years to come. Yep. 
completely no. fell off. No. So they, that seems to, to be their thing. Like, just these little spark plugs. Like, even Heineke, everyone's like, wait, he's the guy. Like, he could yeah. be it. And even Carson Wentz. Like, there was a time when they were excited to be getting Carson sure. Wentz. Like, a playmaker. And it's just, things are fizzling. I think if Ron Rivera didn't have such a good, like, reputation, mm-hmm. he seems like a likable guy, you know. I think he would have been out of there, like, a long time ago. But I think just because holding on to, you know, past reputation, like I said, people like him. So I don't think, he's definitely gotten some more chances than he should have, I think. Just with this franchise. And to be honest, I don't know. I thought they'd be trying to turn it around this year. And so far, it just doesn't seem like that's going to pan out with how they've set themselves up, you know, coming out of this draft. And like you said, you know, I think Commanders fans, I mean, they really were holding stock and getting Lamar. And that's not going to be, you know, it's not going to happen. And now it just seems like they've, which reasonably so, I get it, have held most of their excitement on uh, Dan Snyder being gone. Right. It's like, it, you, oh, oh, man, they almost be right. like, oh, man, we got to go out and play football now? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, we're so pumped. We right, don't there have, was we, a saga yeah. behind the scenes for sure. But the that's scary man it. is gone. We, exactly. you know, we're final, everything's finally fixed. And then, you know, you sit down to have a plate of the commanders. It's like, right. oh, man, I forgot mm-hmm. we actually had to play football right. here. But, and I feel like there, there's a ga- huge gap. Like, uh, the Giants are building up. Obviously, the Eagles, the Cowboys are doing our classic, you know, a little above 500 sort of thing. But <laughs> far superior to the commanders. And those we got to win a division, you know, a sure. division here and there, you know, when teams kind of let their guard down. But there's a definitive gap, and it's just them at mm-hmm. the bottom. Pre- instead of previously, maybe like more recent years, Giants or Eagles even da- had down years, yeah. they were kind of down with them. But now this gap is just widening and widening, and I don't foresee them coming out like anytime soon, unless you know they really tank, honestly, and yeah. gain some draft picks. In maybe the there's years. right. Maybe there's somebody next year that they're really holding their uh, holding their hat on and uh, trying to build around, but. We can we can still all be positive for them and know that hopefully that Dan Snyder is gone now mm-hmm. and they're hopefully heading in the right direction and there's somebody at the helm that uh that that knows what they're doing and can make their yeah. lives a little bit better. I think it all starts from the top for them, you yep. know, from a management and ownership. So hopefully that's where things go from here and it takes time to trickle down from sure. there. Sure. To be honest with you, as much as as bad as I think there are, there's still a decent part of me that's like this is the NFC East and mm-hmm. all these teams are somehow going to end up nine and eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's very true. So. That's, I think, our NFL draft review. I mean, exciting stuff. I can't wait for football season. It's now. good to be back. Like, it is. OTA's starting soon. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're ready to go. I'm ready to see the guy. ready to see the guys out there. Yep. Ready to get excited, have some, you know, just insane, inflated idea of how great the season's mm-hmm. going to go, and I can't wait for all. I can't wait. Picking up some free agency pickups or the undrafted guys, yeah. the storylines, you know, who's doing well in camp and stuff. I love it. I love just following all that. Um, I speaking of which I don't know who Hard Knocks is this year. I was just thinking the same thing because that's this is just gonna that like always is the next step in getting you in the mood. It's the draft and then like following you know the plots along Hard Knocks and you know these undrafted guys and you know where they're going, getting cut, their side dramas. It's I can't wait. So I don't even know if it's been announced. It it looks like as of April, about a month ago, that there are still just some teams that are uh, Mm -hmm. eligible. So okay. it looks like uh, we, we, we're, we're not alone. The teams that are eligible are the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. And I got to tell you, I really hope it's the Jets. Yeah. I I'd get on too. After this, I don't know when this more our source that we're looking at right now came out, but I feel like maybe it was before the Rogers situation. And yeah. now, like if that's the case, oh no, they're mentioning it. Yeah, they're mentioning that. It looks like it would be it would uh, it would be coming out. But uh, I would love to see a surly Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. walking around, uh, just doing his thing. He and... like definitely seems like he's thriving in New York. Like oh, yeah. I saw him Saturday, or I don't even know. I'm getting my days confused. He was at the Rangers game, and then literally repeat next day, Knicks game. Yeah, like courtside or ice side in both games and he looks like he's thriving he looks happy he like remember those like deranged pictures of him like on the Packers (laughs) like with his hair long and like disheveled his beard is like patchy gray he looks wrinkled and then like all of a sudden he's like this new man looks he literally looks five years younger (laughs) and it's like he's embracing his New York persona but that I feel like is so him like I Mm -hmm. think he is very good at you know, filling into these character roles of who people want him to be or who people don't want him to be. And he likes doing like the villain role. And I think he like thrives in doing that. So now he has like this new New York image um, that I don't know if I like it or hate it. I really I, don't. I All I know is that I want to watch more of it mm-hmm. and I want to either love it or I want to hate it. I want to mm-hmm. have, a, I want to have a serious emotion about it. And I really, really would like hard knocks to yeah. dive into that. Yeah, he does. He's just, he's sitting at the games. He's getting all this attention. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is not just like, 
walking around in, in Wisconsin. This yeah. is now, he's walking around New York City, mm-hmm. getting his feet kissed. He's got a head full of ayahuasca, and he's yeah. just ha- he, he's mm-hmm. having the time of his life. Well, we'll get to see more of him because the NFC East plays their division this oh, year. Perfect. So it's going to be a lot of fun, good games. I'm kind of annoyed about it, though. I mean, we had to play the Packers just last year. Mike McCarthy yep. <laughs> dropped the ball big time on our opportunity to beat Aaron Rodgers. He, he was it. walking around his little long tan coat thinking he was hot shit back in Green Bay. Yep. And it's, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think the schedule gets released within the coming week or so. We're very, so, very close. Yeah, it's here. It's upon us. Every week we're a step closer, obviously, and I feel like just things are going to, they start opening up from yes. here. And it's awesome. I cannot wait. It's so great. So we'll close off this episode with a little NBA um, preview, review of kind of the playoff games we have this weekend. I mean, it's honestly a good time of year for sports right now. One of my favorites. It's not one I think about, though. Like, when I think about the year and I'm like, what is the best time? I always think early football season, mm-hmm. like the fall and you play up baseball and stuff. And I get hyped. And I, I don't know. I don't think of, like, May or June. But the NBA playoffs, you know, hockey, and now NFL draft picking up, like, it's actually one of the top probably times of year for sports, honestly. It's the best. Yeah. I usually think we'll sometimes think of April because in the beginning of it, you'll get the end of March Madness, yes, the trail, and then baseball season starting. So it's all that excitement, end of the NBA season. But with this NBA playoffs, I've been watching some of the NHL playoffs kind of for the first time. Mm-hmm. Definitely a uh, fair weather fan of kind of the whole sport because I don't know if there's many things better than playoff hockey. It no. still is just so exciting. Um, but this weekend was just outstanding. All this stuff happening. Um, unfortunately, every single team I was rooting for on Sunday all lost in heartbreaking fashion. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like I was just taking... I was just going 12 rounds with Tyson the whole day, getting mm-hmm. excited and just getting my uh, my stomach ripped out. Yeah. But uh, at least we were – we did get to see that Kings-Warriors game. Uh-huh. It was just just great from wire to wire. So watching Steph Curry play basketball. Oh, my God. Never doubt him. I was, like, so happy I took him at whatever he was at. There's over yeah. 37 points. I was like, it's a game seven, Steph Curry. Like, you do not doubt that man at all. I mean, who, in what world do we think Golden State would be going into game seven as an underdog? Like, never. It makes me Ever. think that makes it makes me feel dumb saying it like that because it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe the Kings are feisty. They're a right. young team. They're at home. They've got the beam. They're but, UFO force that they yeah. ever loves. <laughs> <laughs> but why, yeah, you're so right. Why would Steph Curry not ever come out and drop right. 50 points in a game yeah. seven? It was a good series. And, you know, look, I cannot wait for the Lakers, Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I mean, LeBron versus Steph, like, Two of our, you know, go, we don't need to get into a goat debate now because I feel like I can go around in circles. But And I'm not saying Steph's better than LeBron, but, like, two goats of our era, like, playing yeah. each other. And it's going to be so much fun. They're going to match them up, I feel like. And, like, I feel like those two, like, they don't have any beef. Like, no. they're, you know, game respects game sort yep. of thing. And I feel like they're going to be superimposed against each other, you know, just so points, you know, production, leading the team. But... I don't know. Like, I feel like they're going to repel against that because they're two very different types of players. Completely. And people, you know, respect them for different in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I really, I don't know of anybody that really hates Steph. Obviously, just teams mm-hmm. that are losing to him and getting 50 points dropped on them, you're going to be mad right. at Steph. But it's not doesn't have that same vitriol that LeBron really carries with him and his teams. Mm-hmm. And actually, just kind of like a side note, it is funny. Did you see that today they announced that uh, they will – uh, the Grizzlies announced they will not be bringing Dylan Brooks back. They oh. said that they, it was just weird. We, I his, feel like if you have to announce that, that's yeah. bad. But his that's contract is up and he is not welcome back. So that's uh, that's kind of what happened. Big yikes. He had his moment. Yeah. He was having he had a really hot like two day period. And yeah. All down there, downhill from there. But, but I, I cannot wait for the series. Um, the thing I'm excited to watch. Kevon Looney looked amazing that whole series. Mm-hmm. Was just rebounding his uh, rebounding his ass off. And I don't know if he can continue need to do that playing against Anthony Davis but we'll also see. that's us saying that Anthony Davis is going to stay healthy so those yeah. are a lot of big ifs mm-hmm. uh, but regardless I think that this is going to be a high scoring exciting mm-hmm. a lot of fun series yeah I'm excited for it I guess a series I'm not as excited about the Nuggets versus Suns mm-hmm. I mean Nuggets are already up to nothing I haven't seen a second of the series they play so late yep. I, I just haven't been able to watch it I feel like the Suns are going to put up a fight though I foresee this still going I think to seven games or something. I don't know it's Kevin Durant like I it don't is. know I don't know unless the Suns are just I haven't watched too much no I don't think they have too many injuries plaguing them like are, they're just not playing well from what- so they're definitely not playing well but as of the second half of that game they now Chris Paul just like came out and did not play the second half of that game and had a tight hamstring so if he can't come back I okay. think this series is probably going to be over relatively fast but some might say that might be a good thing because Chris Paul he doesn't have that clutch gene he theoretically is, he might have the playoff curse so <laughs> I think that they found the only person that could be worse than Chris Paul to back him up in campaign because he looked absolutely terrible out there when he came out he scored two points in that whole game i believe 
Um, his his uh, plus minus was, I think, like minus 16 or something. Um, but you're right, like Booker and Durant, I mean, they are shouldered with a tremendous amount of this burden. Yeah. But if two players can come out and like both drop 35 a night and just hope for some semblance of mm-hmm. a defensive performance and get a few, uh, you know, get a few buckets from their role guys... Booker and Durant can do it. Yeah. They are animals, let alone if Chris Paul, Chris Paul can come back and even be just some semblance of the player that he is or was. I mean, he's still like, what, 37, 38? Like, mm-hmm. Chris Paul is not a young buck anymore. But, uh, and the only thing I keep thinking the whole time, it's like I'm watching the Nuggets. I'm rooting for him. Jokic is so fun. Jamal Murray's great. The team's exciting. They really care about the the team out in uh, in Denver. Like, we went out the, went out and saw a game this year in, in Denver. The team, like... The fans are crazy for yeah. it and they love it, but just something about seeing those jerseys in the playoffs, I'm just like, when is this other yeah. shit going to drop? Yep. What is this? What kind of weird injury is going to happen? What's, you know, what it seems too good to be terrible collapse is on its way? But Jokic is so much fun to watch. Yeah. His court vision's amazing. He will just basically push DeAndre Ayton around and make him look like a, you know, like a little boy, even though DeAndre Ayton looks like he's got the face of a 55 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I hope this becomes a little bit more of a series because watching, uh, you know, getting a Jokic versus Booker and, uh, Booker and Durant, you know, kind of game yeah. six, game seven, uh, I think would be a tremendously good time. Mm-hmm. So the Suns really need to come out, uh, in these next couple games at home and, uh, and put up a fight. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Celtics 76ers. I did watch that one last night because it was the earlier That's a time fun for one. me. I mean, I'm shocked. The 76ers are impressive. Coming out and winning game one without Embiid, I don't see how the Celtics... I mean, it's going to be a series, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. But I just... 76ers feel in control. They felt even in control in that game. Harden's playing really well. Um, And I put myself into the Al Horford fan club yesterday. (laughs) I don't know why. So I was like, I'm just going to bet like a small amount on this game. That's how I'm getting myself involved in like games, you know, that I'm not really super interested in. So all of a sudden I was just betting Al Horford over eight points, over five rebounds, um, like points first quarter and stuff. I didn't realize how lazy he plays sometimes. I was yeah. freaking pissed. I was like, he was at four rebounds. He And then he literally went eight minutes in the fourth quarter without a single stat line. Mm. Literally didn't do anything. He was cherry picking. I'm like, you're cherry picking. You're not even scoring points. You're not getting rebounds. I was livid. Finally, he picked up his fifth rebound at the end of the game. He turned, and I knew it. I'm like, he's turning it on when there's two minutes left. Because it was a close game. Yeah. Thank God. He was doing his low management on the court. Sure. Like, he literally was just jogging <laughs> up and down. He's, like, grabbing his back sometimes, yeah. grabbing his chest. I'm like, is he having a heart attack out there? Or does he want to be pulled out? You've got to be legitimately happening. worried about it, yeah. Yeah, but um, it was a lot of fun. But, I mean, the Celtics just came short. Tatum's trying to do too much, in my opinion. I like him. I have always have. I think he's a really fun player to watch. But I think he's doing too much sometimes, and I think it hurts them. It really does. I mean, I've seen in the last few plays of the game. You know, he forces it often. Um, and I just think if he would dish it out a little bit more, you know, he'd give the guys, you know, another chance, but he definitely could be. And I mean, he's playing like a lot of these star players do, but the luxury that he has that some of these other guys don't is that he does have, you know, relatively a cast of some all-stars and former all-stars around him. Mm -hmm. Plus some young guys like, you know, he doesn't need to feel like he can do it all because Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown is amazing. Marcus Smart is a serviceable guy. That's going to always give it a hundred percent. He's going to play great on defense. Horford, I mean, yeah. he may be, what, 55 years old? I don't yeah, know. It feels literally. like he's been in the league forever. Like, he wanted, he was on mm-hmm. the, like, you think about how old. Uh, he was on OKC. Yeah. I didn't even remember that. My brother <laughs> messaged me, and he's like, OKC legend. I was like, I don't even I don't, remember that time he was, he was on the Hawks forever. Yeah. He won those national championships with Joaquim Noah in Florida. Yeah. Like that's And, like, Joaquim Noah's been out of the league for, for a while well, it feels now. Like forever. I think yeah. it was in elementary school, I felt like. <laughs> yeah, they were playing together, yeah. so. It's like he's been in the league for a while. And when he's hitting those threes and when he's feeling a little cocky, you know, he's definitely got a little bit of a, you know, little speed in his step. He's got, yeah, got he does. a little play. He but uh, when he starts missing those shots and you're needing that like, fifth rebound, you're like, get just... under the freaking hoop. Like, you're the big man <laughs> you're on the court. You're seven feet tall, man. Yeah, he spends far too much time behind the key. I was livid about it. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I know he can shoot for a big guy, but yep. I'm like, for the love of God, rebound. I feel like a dad. I'm like screaming box out yeah. at the TV for him. He was not putting a box out on anyone yep. out there, you know, and no one in the NBA really does unless they need it. But. So, so to get down to these playoff series but yeah being able to see vintage Harden like that and for them to steal mm-hmm. that one on home they're 10 point underdogs like on the road and they're able to come out and just Maxie outright win the incredible. game yep they i know it was i don't like where this is heading for them if no. you know but i mean i think like i said celtics will make it a series but i see the 76ers coming out of this one for sure especially with you know so Embiid. if Embiid comes back are the Celtics are the, are the sixers just going to run away with this series or was this game was this game an outlier i think oh, 
I think there's going to be a lot of hype around Embiid coming back, and then there might be a little bit of letdown because it's the kind of theory that they say where, like, when a team's best player is out, everyone else steps up because, you know, they have the chance rather than falling into their usual role and supporting player cast. So sometimes you do get that little boost from your star player being out, and I don't know if that's what we saw last night. But regardless, I think they're definitely a very good, scary team, Mm -hmm. probably who I would say I see winning the championship right now. But I do think with Embiid coming back, I think the Celtics will have a chance from there because everyone will fall into their role. Yeah, there's no way the six. That the, the, the Celtics don't make this a series. Um, but I do think that, if anything, this may be even better for the Sixers because now they really don't feel like they need to rush and beat back. Not like, I mean, every game right. is obviously important, but if he's like 50 50, even 60 40 tentative yeah. on game two, all these players and the coaches know that like they can still win a game. This mm-hmm. isn't like they don't need him to come back. So right. if it's the difference of another few, you know, few days, obviously missing the whole series, I don't yeah. think that the Celtics are gonna are gonna continue yeah. to let that happen. But I think it does at least give them a little bit of that leeway of like, you know, even if we need to do some load management, if he plays, you know, if he's gonna play twenty minutes a game or something, or right. if we're gonna just get him get him in there and, and it, it just gives mm-hmm. them a little bit more freedom knowing, yeah. you know, to see that uh, to see what the whole mm-hmm. team can do without him in there. And lastly, the star series here, the Knicks versus the Heat. I'm feeling a little, feeling like I'm taking it a little personally. It seems like we've I've come into your life as a big Knicks fan, <laughs> and now you've just decided to I've go full Heat on me. As um, primary person running the social media <laughs> right now, I've fully taken this over as a Heat f- podcast. And I honestly, at first, just literally totally just blocked out that you were a Knicks fan. Then yep. I was like, ooh, I did. I've been getting <laughs> messages from people though, like support the Knicks. You live in New York State. This is a Knicks podcast, and I was like. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I hate that we're matched up, though. I wish we could be rooting for both teams because, honestly, I would root for the Knicks. Like, I like to see them win. I love New York coming around a basketball team. Sure. But I've adopted the Heat in the past year or so, especially Jimmy Butler. I'm literally, like, I've been the queen of Jimmy Butler's fan club. He was what brought me to the Heat, and I officially ordered a shirt. It's on the way. I'm not a huge NBA girl, so this is really big that I'm getting an NBA shirt. All the shirts I have are hand-me-downs from my brother of random compilation (laughs) of players. Um, So I'm excited about it, but... I don't know. I've just been having this nervous feeling like for the Heat that like they're just riding so hard on Jimmy's performance mm-hmm. that it just feels like the wheels are going to come off, especially with his injury now and his ankle. He did only score a mere 25 points in their last game, and they won. Yeah. So that's promising. That is really promising for them. But we'll see with the ankle. I haven't seen. He's rebounding around the clock. He's Jimmy Butler. So, I mean, he's going to play. You yeah. see him go down, gruesome injury, and you know he's going to be back regardless. Um, but I'm excited for it. I think the Knicks, you know – they gotta win tonight. This feels like, to. this feels like a big win game. Absolutely need to. I wish I shared your uh, very kind views. I cannot stand the heat. <laughs> they drive me crazy. My first basketball memories are like standing way too close to a TV when I was probably six or seven. So I guess it was, yeah, it was those late nineties games, probably that ninety seven season, ninety six uh, season, where uh, you know Alonzo Mourning would just be so rude to the whole Knicks organization when Jeff Van Gundy was trying to stop him from fighting the team and was dragging him around by his leg. It, I, I, I cannot stand the heat. They drive me crazy. <laughs> I understand the heat culture, but uh, watching Jimmy Butler just continue to do this. And Jimmy Butler doesn't annoy. I respect him. He's yeah. an amazing player. Great story. Yeah, that, the, mm-hmm. that end of that series, that, that the, the shot that he made to send it oh. to overtime, it's, like, it's just like you got to respect that. Um, we can't let... Kyle Lowry beat us. No. Mm-mm. You can't let that sh- that stupid, short, little mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry get in there with his annoying face and mm-hmm. just continue to beat us. So, and Kevin Love. Yeah. I mean, do you feel, like, bad about yourself being, like, Kevin Love is just, like, your neighborhood dad who's like, yeah. hey, I shoveled my driveway. Want me to go out and do yours, too? <laughs> I, do, I do love Kevin <laughs> he, like, Love. He, beats you out there. I, 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 do, I do like Kevin Love. My whole take on their team is, like, it just feels like there's guys that are doing a real-life version of the Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew thing mm-hmm. with uh, Udonis Haslam and, and, uh, and Kevin Love. It's like, they're just showing up. It's like, why are these guys... They look like they're 55 playing mm-hmm. at a local YMCA. Yep. But Kevin Love is still hitting these insane outlet passes. Mm-hmm. Best quarterback in the stadium. Yep. Um, looking amazing. And I, I'm just very, very tired of it. So the Knicks need to step up. I'm tired of Tibbs. I feel like Coach Tibbs needs to just do better, honestly. Mm-hmm. You see Jimmy Butler going down. He's like he's go, setting up in the corner and like practicing his three-point stroke from the, from the corner. And why are you not isolating yeah. him immediately with that, with that ankle injury? Why it goes back to the same thing within the the game two in the Cavs series, mm-hmm. you know we're we're down thirty points with two minutes to go. Why do you have your starters in? It's right. just there. There's some of these 
some of these uh, things that he's doing that it's just like yeah. you've been in the league for too long to be able to not see these things, you know, to not to be able to do these things that anybody who's watched basketball for half an hour would be able to be like, right. hey, man, that guy's hurt. We should probably try to isolate that yeah. guy or at least make them stop, make them take Jimmy Buffler, mm-hmm. Butler off the court. Yep. But, uh, you know, listen, the, we, the, we got blown out by the Cavs in game two of last series. We didn't look back. We came out. Um, and played really well. Obviously, those games ended up being at home. We just lost that game game at home. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm I'm tentatively tentatively excited. I think that we can really come back. I don't think that this series is over by any means. I do think this series is going to be a bloodbath. I think mm-hmm. that this will not oh, yeah. be the last injury there. Uh, unfortunately for either team, it seems like these teams are physical. Mm-hmm. They are not afraid to get down and dirty, swing some elbows uh, down in the post. But uh, well, yeah, the Miami really can't afford to uh, to lose any more guys yeah. on injury. They kept yeah. showing uh, Tyler Hero a million mm-hmm. times. He looked like the most annoying guy, yeah, like selling bad drugs mm-hmm. at a gas station. His fashion <laughs> is – I mean, that was like – it caught a lot of media last year during the playoffs because, yeah. of course, he was injured during the playoffs last year with some sort of groin injury on and off. And he was – see, they always flash him on the sideline. I think he does a lot of, like, modeling type stuff because he uh, has one of those unique, like – Yeah. It's just, just his features are very odd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they just love showing him. But, yeah, I found it annoying, like, last year that he was kind of the center of the show on the bench too. And I think that will be the case this year. But there's a chance he comes back if they make it to the championship game after breaking his hands. That is crazy. Um, so I think they always have that in their back pocket. He hasn't been too great this year, Avril. Honestly, like the hype around that is more, they're just fine. I think Duncan Robbins stepped up and kind mm-hmm. of replaced that shooter role for them. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. I got to put my little parlay together tonight yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> like, we'll see how Jimmy Butler, if he's able to play, if Julius Randle comes back. Not that that's going to be a huge game changer anyway. Julius Randle in the playoffs has kind mm-hmm. of killed me anyway. So far in these playoffs, he's been 14 points on 33% shooting with only six rebounds yes. and three assists. Like, that's not a star player. Jalen Brunson has stepped into the limelight and been able to, like, he loves that attention. He's ready to, he's the guy you want with the ball. I I don't know how I feel about Julius Randle. Obi Toppin has played pretty well. He shot 11 threes, which is kind of insane, but I mean, he did make four of them. And that, uh, I don't know. It just really told him, like, listen, man, go for it. And he was not afraid. But uh, I mean, scored 18 points. Not the worst case. I don't think that, like, well, for eleven, it's not terrible. No, especially for a guy that shouldn't yeah. be that shouldn't be taken and making those threes. So, uh, and he was the only New York starter that finished with a non-negative plus minus. Just to kind of show how the rest of that uh, yeah. the rest of that game went. Nah. But uh, we'll see. I think that having having him Julius Randle be a bully down there is important when the game slows down a little bit. When we were running and gunning, like in the first half, when we went up by double digits. They looked great, and I don't think Julius Randle really fit into that. But in that second half, when the game really slowed down and we we're kind of going through in the posts a little bit and we just were doing nothing, that's where Julius Randle yeah. would really be able to kind of take yeah. that next step. So yeah. fingers crossed. We'll see how we'll tonight see this. goes. This is a good um, you know, early training or, I guess, strain on our podcast here. This yeah. series going head-to-head <laughs> to take it off um, in the early days. Our first um, episode here is going to be having our teams face off tonight. So. Listen, if we can make it through this, what we can make it through anything. What doesn't kill you makes anything. you stronger. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. So, yeah, so, well, everyone, thanks for listening to our very first episode of the Player Yards Right podcast. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Follow us on Instagram, Player Yards Right Pod on Instagram, and uh, let us know what you think, and we look forward to putting more of these out. Mm-hmm. Have a good one.